Hey guys, welcome to day seven of our Romans reading plan. What an honor it is to have New Vision's very own executive pastor, Gregory Freeman. Can I can I call you Gregory? That's what my mom calls me. Yes, right. Robert. <laughs> Greg is my boss, who I am very afraid of. Uh, he is <laughs> right. he is absolutely like uh, a history leader uh, from Lifeway to Tractor Supply to now uh, here on staff at New Vision. You know what it's like to be a, 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 a person that is plugged into the church serving and, and staff member. And, and recently you've graduated seminary. Yes, finished a master's of theological studies from Midwestern. So very glad that is over. I am sure that you are. Congratulations on that. You are a man with an incredible work ethic. It really is inspiring. Uh, tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah, most people know me as Tammy's husband. Oh, yeah. So my wife, Tammy Freeman, we've been married. It'll be 23 years in June. Uh, she is the one, if you don't recognize her by face, she's the one who's always walking fast. She's been... <laughs> A weekday preschool teacher here. She serves everywhere. She is fantastic. We have two sons, Lucas and Caleb. Lucas is in his junior year at UT in Knoxville, and Caleb is a senior and about to go to MTSU next fall. So we're approaching empty nests. Go Blue Raiders. Go, go Blue Raiders. All right. <laughs> well, let's go on. You're reading Romans 4, verses 1 through 25. Big, long passage. Take it away, my friend. Well, thank you. So we've got the chapter four of Romans. And as we know, the book of Romans is a great theological statement that really gives us an understanding of what it means to be a believer, a follower of Christ. And Paul is writing to the church at Rome. This is the background. And he's making some some pretty surprising statements about what it really means to be a Christian. He's addressing both the Jewish and the Gentile Christians. And in chapter three that you've already heard, Paul makes the point that faith in Christ is for all who believe. And in chapter 3, verse 22, he writes, this righteousness, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So as we go into chapter 4, let's have that as a background. Uh, all right, so Romans chapter 4. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Verse 9, is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then, he is the father of all who believe, but have not been circumcised, in order that righteousness might be credited to them. And he is then also the father of the circumcised, who not only are circumcised, but who also follow in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. 
Verse 13, it was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be the heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing and the promise is worthless because the brought law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Verse 16, therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Verse 18, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. So in this chapter, Paul is illustrating the importance of, of the faith that he talked about in, in verse 22 we read before. And what he's really trying to make clear, especially to this Jewish audience, is that it's faith that saves, not works. And he's using Abraham as a picture of this. Now remember, the, the Jews of the time were used to trying to follow the law, and they thought they could earn their way into a relationship with God. And we know that that's not the case. And certainly these Jewish Christians would have been familiar with Father Abraham in his story. So Paul talks about in verse 3 that Abraham was credited by God as righteous, but really the question is, what did Abraham do to be called righteous by God? Now we see way back in Genesis 15, 6, that Abraham believed the Lord when the Lord told him he would have a son. Now remember, Abraham was about 100 and his wife's womb was barren. So God was telling Abraham that something that would happen, that he would have a son and become the father of many nations, he was telling Abraham that something that was really unbelievable in the human experience. But Abraham believed him. And as a result of believing, he was judged to be righteous. So Abraham had faith. And that's what Paul is telling these, these Christians in Rome. It's faith that justifies, faith that makes someone right with God, not works. And so Paul goes a step further on that point. Not only did God call Abraham righteous, but he did so before Abraham did anything for him. Abraham was credited as righteous before he was circumcised which is a big step in the Jewish law. He was credited as righteous before he took Isaac to the mountain as a sacrifice. He was credited as righteous by God when Abraham simply believed him. Not anything he did, but his, his belief, his faith. So Paul's big important point here is this. Abraham did nothing to merit being found righteous. It didn't happen while he was doing something spiritual or sacrificial. He was found righteous when and because he simply believed God. Paul goes on, he doubles down, he brings David into the conversation. Certainly Jews of the time would know King David. He quotes uh, David in Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2, and David writes, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in spirit is no deceit. Now in this context, blessed can also be interpreted as happy. So David is saying a person should be blessed, they should be happy when they recognize the fact that God is willing to forgive their sins, 
when they're considered righteous, and that only happens through faith. Now, in this chapter, I think the story of Abraham can help us in a couple of practical ways, just the way it helped the church at Rome. First, Abraham is a model of, of hope. In verse 18, uh, the scripture says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. So in a hopeless situation, in what we would conceive to be a hopeless situation, Abraham had hope and God recognized that. Abraham believed and God delivered. Now as believers, we worship that same God and so we have the same cause for hope even in the face of hopelessness. Now our hope is based on God's goodness and God's faithfulness and our hope has to be that he will take care of us even if we don't understand how and when that may be. We don't get to choose how that happens, but we have the hope that comes from trusting that it will. And that hope is something that we as Christians have going for us that no one ever can take away from us. The world cannot take take that away from us. The hope found in Christ and the knowledge that we will spend eternity with Him is a hope that we can build our lives around. Secondly, in this chapter, we see that Abraham was not good enough. He was not capable enough didn't do enough to meet God's standard. We sing songs as children about Father Abraham, and yet that wasn't good enough to get into heaven. It was his faith that God valued and deemed righteous. Now, I'll speak for myself, but every day I have to remind my flesh that there is absolutely nothing I can do over the course of the day, the week, the year, or my lifetime that will earn me God's favor. There's nothing I can do. I just simply can't, and neither can you. Now, earlier in in Romans, Paul was clear that no one can, not just me and you, but no one can. That's the human condition. In verses 4 and 5 of chapter 4, Paul says that focusing on our works, our our behavior, our, our own efforts to perform doesn't work, but the one who trusts God is credited with righteousness. And I think this is an important distinction for us today because we can spend a lot of time spinning our wheels thinking we have to uh, earn our way into God's favor, and that's clearly not the case. And frankly, for me or you to think that what we do can get us into heaven is just foolishness. So we need to quit trying to give God a reason to bless us, and we need to trust Him. We need to have faith in Him. We need to quit trying to show God that we deserve to spend eternity with Him because we don't. What we need to do is accept His gift of grace and and enjoy it and take comfort in that and, and celebrate that and live a life that's comforted by that. And we focus on Him and glorify him. In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, the scripture says that salvation comes from faith, from faith not from works that no one can boast. It's not about us. It's about, it's about God. Finally, in verse 23, Paul writes, the words, it was credited to him, were not written for him, that is Abraham alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness, to, for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Can't be any more clear than that. Everything that we just read about Abraham applies to us as well. So what a great story. What a great illustration, not just for the first century Christians, but for us as well, to have an understanding of what it means to have faith, to where that faith comes from and what that faith means. It's our faith that makes us righteous. And in the end of chapter 4, verse 25, Paul tells us what it means to have faith. He, Jesus, was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. When we place our faith in the saving work of Jesus, and only then will we be counted righteous in the eyes of a holy and loving God. Thanks for listening, and God bless you. What favor we find from God. Greg, thank you so much for stepping up and doing this. You did a fantastic job. Uh, Tomorrow, I believe, we hear from Dakota as we step into Romans 5. So tune in tomorrow. Thank you, church family, for joining us in through this Romans reading.